everyone, it is Stephanie Postles, the host of Up Next in Commerce. Before we get into our latest interview with another e-commerce leader, I wanted to let you know that the Up Next in Commerce podcast is now available for sponsorship for the first time ever. By partnering with us, your company will be connected to interviews with the most compelling founders, CEOs, VPs, and digital leaders in the world of commerce today. You have nothing to gain but thousands of followers and millions of impressions each and every month. Reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to see how your business can benefit from partnering with our team at Up Next in Commerce. We feel like if the story's great and we can help facilitate telling it, we don't need a ton of branding. We don't need products sitting next to every interview or we don't need the traditional product placement in these stories. We feel like we're doing a service to the community by facilitating telling it. And for us, that's what we're here for. From the baseball field to the NASCAR track to the tennis court. In sports, ads can be found everywhere. Brands and sports have been linked together through sponsorship for decades. And now, with the rise of social media and influencers, athletes can create even more profitable relationships with brands than ever before. But a sponsorship should be more than just a way for a brand and an athlete to make money. Today, more than ever, the message matters. The story you tell makes a difference. And the purpose behind a brand is what is drawing people in and converting them to loyal customers. At POC, that belief is what has been driving the company since its founding, and it is influencing its unique content strategy, which is successfully driving people to its website and into its e-commerce channels. David Demartini is POC's Global Chief Marketing and Digital Officer. And on this episode of Up Next in Commerce, he explains why the purpose and data-driven content strategy the company has devised is working and what other brands can learn from what they have built. Whether it's more of a focus on original serialized video or a different approach to working with influencers, POC's marketing strategies have far outperformed traditional methods. Learn how and why on this episode. Enjoy. Up Next in Commerce is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. Respond quickly to changing customer needs with flexible e-commerce connected to marketing, sales, and service deliver intelligent commerce experiences your customers can trust across every channel. Together, we're ready for what's next in commerce. Learn more at salesforce.com slash commerce. Hey listeners, it's Stephanie. Before we dive into the episode, I wanted to let you in on a little secret. Did you know that Mission has the number one e-commerce newsletter? It's amazing. It has really good news and insights and case studies that you will not find anywhere else. So go subscribe, mission.org slash up next in commerce. All right, on to the show. Hello, and welcome back to Up Next in Commerce. This is your host, Stephanie Postles, co-founder of Mission.org. Our guest today is David Demartini, the Chief Marketing Officer at POC. David, welcome to the show. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you too. I just went into a wormhole watching some of your guys' videos with the skiers flying down the mountain at lightning speed. And I was like, could I do this? No, probably not. But they were great to watch. Yeah. Oh, well, well, thank you. And, and I, I assure you, you could do it. Um, we, have, we have an amazing roster of athletes that uh, do a great job of telling, telling our brand story through their actions. And um, you know, our, our goal is to do everything we can to keep them safe. So it's fun to create content or let them create content. It helps us tell our story. Yeah, I love that. We'll definitely be diving into all of that in a little bit. Um, but first, tell me, or anyone who's listening, what is POC? 
Yeah, so Pac is a Swedish company that was founded um, kind of in 2006, 2007 timeframe. Um, we are a protection brand. We're the world's leading protection brand, um, currently servicing athletes and, and participants across bicycle sports and, and snow sports. And so, you know, we have a, a really strong mission and purpose to, you know, save lives and protect those pursuing their passion um, and enable people to really find more joy in life through, through using our products to keep them as safe as possible when they're doing the things that they love. Yeah. Yeah. And you have very nice looking products as well. I uh, haven't been snowboarding in a while, but I'm like, if I was, I would want this helmet here. And they even have like mouth guards nowadays, which is mind blowing to me. I mean, very helpful, but I have not seen any other companies who have a helmet with a, is it called a mouth guard? What, what is the word for that now? Yeah. Well, on the snow side, we, we have, um, you know, we have a couple of different, you know, disciplines that we service. And um, I, I think the product you're referencing is one of the, one of the helmets we have on this, on the race side of our business. Um, you know, when slalom skiers or, or even you know, some GS skiers are, are running gates, there's a kind of chin bar that attaches to the helmets to make sure none chin of the bar. gates end up smacking them in the face as they're making their way down the course. So, you know, kind of always looking for ways to better, better protect uh, our, our athletes and, and our customers. And, you know, that's a, a, a pretty, pretty handy service, you know, with that chin bar, because taking a solemn gate to the face is not much fun. Oh, it does not sound like it. I also looked at them like this would be perfect for my two and a half year old. <laughs> he is always falling and hitting his face somehow or his chin. I'm like, you guys need some kids versions of this. Yeah, that's a good point. We, we have an amazing <laughs> children's line that we call Paquito. Um, oh, cute. Kids helmets. And, and there's some really cool safety pieces built into that, you know, the, we found that the most, most accidents that happen with kids on a ski slope or, or, or on a bicycle are, are scenarios where, you know, someone larger than them, whether it's a, a larger kid or an adult just simply doesn't see them. And there's a collision that happens. So we have a yeah. really great visibility story built into our kids products, but um, we hadn't thought about kind of the chin or face protection for the children, but maybe, uh, just maybe worth, product, worth looking you know? at. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So when I was looking through your LinkedIn, but I also saw that you have a background in media and sports and I was wondering what drew you over to Puck? Yeah. So I, I got, I kind of cut my teeth at an agency in Colorado working across an amazing book of, of, of brands that, that the agency Backbone Media, you know, serviced at the time. And it was really an amazing opportunity for me because I got to really kind of dig in and, and, and understand some of the challenges that brands of, of really all maturity level were, were, were trying to overcome. You know, everything from a larger, more established brand like a, a Eddie Bauer or Yeti Coolers, you know, all the way up to, you know, startups looking looking at how do they just kind of continue to raise some money to, 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 to propel their business. And so, you know, as I was working through and, and kind of, you know, learning and absorbing and, and, you know, working with all these amazing people at Backbone Media, I was really kind of fine tuning the things that, that were interesting to me and, and kind of knew I always wanted to be in marketing and direct consumer, but really kind of found an understanding of what specifically in those areas uh, were interesting. And then, you know, after about five years with Backbone, Pac was one of the clients of Backbone for a long time and uh, one of the accounts I worked on. And, you know, an opportunity came up to join Pac internal um, as the marketing director for North America. And I took that and, you know, I've been lucky to um, find myself in some opportunistic positions within Pac. And, my skill set has been um, has allowed me to kind of rise to the ranks here as well, which has been really fun and, and really rewarding. Yeah, that's great. I also love how Pac has the same messaging across all the platforms. It was very clear about what you guys stood for. So tell me a little bit about like, did that draw you in when you saw here's our purpose? Here's why why we're here. Like, how did that impact your decision to jump over to work with them? 
Yeah, I, I think I think that one of the key or one of the one of the key attributes that that you see as particularly important and and something that a lot of brands in the outdoor space focus on is is purpose. And the, and the term purpose can can kind of be applied to business or 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 the way that a company operates in in a lot of different ways. But you know, I realized early on that a trend that I was seeing with the with the brands that I worked with at Backbone Media you know the ones with with a solid foundation a clear purpose and you know a really clear and you know ambitious but not to the to to the point where you know the brand platform or the mission or the vision you know didn't really mean anything you know those are the companies and the brands that were doing the best um and so i i quickly realized how important that was and so you know as i as i thought about what was next you know i knew that that was kind of core to any organization that, you know, I could see myself at for an extended period of time. And so I, I made that one of my priorities, you know, and starting to look around for whatever was next for me was, you know, that purpose has to be there. And I have to really be able to connect to that purpose in a meaningful way. Because if I can't, in a lot of ways, you're, you're trying to fake it to make it. And, and um, you know, that just gets really taxing and, and, and is, is tiresome and hard to do. And, you know, it comes back to, if you connect to the purpose, it's very easy to find the motivation to, to really give give everything you have to the, to, to the business. And, you know, these days you have to do that. So Pac has that. It's, it's, a, it's a really, really amazing kind of brand platform and, and, and mission and vision that's been with us since, since day one. And credit to the, to the founder, Stefan Itterborn, who, you know, created the brand in 2006 uh, to address a problem that he saw in the, in the form of his kids were becoming ski racers. And he looked around at the head protection at the time and said, this doesn't seem all that great. And I think I can do this better. And had the foresight to, to realize that, you know, spending, spending the time and, and really ironing out what he was there to do and what their mission and vision looked like, you know, was, was, was crucial to, to make sure he, he built something that could, you know, continue to live on and be successful. That's great. Yeah, kids always seem to be a driving force sometimes with, you know, businesses or new products. And I love that story, having an actual reason to develop something and being like, oh, everyone actually needs this in this industry and it's not good enough and I'm going to fix it right now. Yeah. Yeah. He saw a problem that um, was specific to him and where he was in his life and realized that, you know, he's probably not the only one feeling this way and, uh, you know, really created something special. And it's, um, you know, it's been a, a fun ride since then and, and continues to do well. So, you know, again, goes back to the, the core purpose of the business is, is, is real and meaningful. And that, that, that's really, really valuable and making sure that we make the right decisions on a day-to-day basis. So since you've been able to see you know, many brands, especially while you're working at the agency, what are, you know, tips or best practices around maybe a new brand coming up with their purpose, but then actually following through? Because I think that's a tricky thing with a lot of these new companies popping up is it seems like a lot of them say they have a purpose or here's, you know, what we're doing, but doesn't actually come through. It's just like the messaging, like you don't see actions behind it. Like, is there any advice or things that you saw when you're at the agency of like this worked and this did not work? Like everyone should not do it this way. Yeah, it's it's a good question, and and I think I, I think the the answer to that can take many different forms, but it but really what you're looking for is is something that's balanced and something that is it can stand the test of time. And so what I what I saw at Backbone was, you know, it used to be it used to be that you could identify a problem, find a solution for it, and then take that and run with it. And, and I think that that worked for a long time, um, and that was kind of the, the the traditional approach to starting a business, but. I think you know the, the the consumer today has evolved so much to where they don't they, they they look for more than just helping them solve a problem. You really have to have to be invested in the solution and 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 in the problem itself to a point where 
it, it's authentic and real. And so I, I think for for anybody who's who's thinking about you know starting a business and 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 you know I I can't can't stress enough the importance of making sure you you spend the time and and put the put the work in on you know building a brand platform and then pressure testing that through all kinds of different mock scenarios you know thinking about where you're going to be in five years ten years fifteen years and beyond and and making sure the verbiage you use in in the core of that brand platform you know, can, can remain constant. It's almost like you can't be too focused on the problem you're trying to solve. You have to think beyond that problem to future problems and make sure that your approach and what you're creating can solve future problems as much as it can solve the problem here and now. It's a really hard thing to do and it takes a, a very kind of specific approach and, and, and creative mind and, um, you know, it's, just, it's not easy to achieve. And so uh, I, I feel lucky to be part of an organization where, you know, we were able to achieve that and, and um, you know, the, the founders that, that started POC you know, went through that exercise and it's, it's, it's cumbersome and, and, and difficult. And, but, but I think it's, it's super important. Yeah, I completely agree. It reminds me of, um, I don't know if you've heard of the clock of the long now, it's like a 10,000 year clock and it's all about encouraging mm-hmm. long-term thinking. And every time I like start thinking about longer term thinking and where is this headed? I always think about that clock. It's my motivation. Yeah. I think that's a great, uh, a great connection point. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard to visualize and, and come up with, you know, mock scenarios as to what could happen in 10 years, because who knows what's going to happen in 10 years. But, you know, I think just going through the exercises and, and, and putting the time and the effort in will, will help you kind of find the right balance between too to immediate and here and now. And then, you know, the other end of the spectrum is, I don't know if you know a guy named Scott Galloway, but he, he uses the mm-hmm. term yoga babble where you use so many buzzwords and, and, it, and it's so kind of, conceptual that it that it actually completely loses all of its meaning like you, you got to find some place in between there that is balanced and 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 can kind of stand the test of time to a certain degree that's a good mentality i saw you have another title which you didn't mention in the intro and i'm not sure why of executive producer i was looking at the yeah. one video <laughs> um, american downhiller which is really good i only got to watch 10 minutes of it but i think it's a good a good segue into some of your marketing and content strategies because the video was so well done. I mean, is it on Netflix? Like if not, it should be. Tell me a little bit about how you guys go about thinking about developing videos and content like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because it's, it's a really, really fun and amazing project that we just kind of launched um, to the world earlier in, it was in October, actually. I was going to say November, but launched in October uh, with a with a kind of world premiere here in Park City, Utah. And and a distribution pro- program with um, US Ski Team and SkiRacing.com, and you know, like I mentioned, we, we got our start in ski racing, and and it's 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 incredibly important and core to our business. It's um, you know, compared to other kind of snow sports categories or, or or the bike category, it's it's relatively small, but it's just it's so important because you know the athletes, you know, really on any level that that are that are competing or or, or skiing gates on a consistent basis. I mean, that's where the stakes are the highest. That the speeds are incredibly high. The, the snow conditions are, are ice essentially these days. You have, you know, skis with incredibly sharp edges and, and you know, the, the possibility of things going wrong is, is quite high. And so um, we work really hard to continue to innovate on behalf of the ski, ski race community and, and find different ways to, you know, apply the different technologies and, and safety, safety features that we, we develop to, to their world. And, you know, so through the years, we've become really close with the ski race community. Like I said, it's not, it's not a huge community, but it's a very tight knit one and, and um, one that we're very happy and proud to be part of. And, and, you know, over the years, you know, looking for opportunities and, and being very close with the U.S. ski team, 
we saw this story that was really amazing and, and hadn't really been told on a, on a mass level around the men's speed team and how a brotherhood really kind of formed through, I guess you could say through, through unique adversity in the sense that, you know, ski racing in the U.S. is, is not what it is in Europe. You know, when you go to Austria, you go to, you know, Norway, you go to Switzerland, ski racing is, I mean, it's, it's like, it's, it's like, you know, the Hanukkah in Austria is, it's like, the, it's like the Super Bowl. you know, it's, it's a huge deal there. It's an amazing, um, massive, massive fan bases. And, you know, so, so being an American and when you're competing, most of the races are in Europe. And so the challenges that the U S team had to overcome were unique. And, and I'm not, I'm not really qualified nor, nor want to say that, that, you know, their challenges were, were, harder or worse or, or, or harder to overcome than, than, than some of the Europeans, but they were just different. You know, you're, you're not, you're not able to travel home on the weekends. You know, you're, you're spending so much time with the, with your other teammates and, and it really kind of cultivated this brotherhood that, you know, kind of organically evolved into this story that became, they took the name American downhillers and that term, you know, became a, a tool to kind of represent this brotherhood and, and, you know, the, the, the function of some of the more veteran guys on the team, you know, working to help develop and help some of the younger guys that were coming up to the speed program, you know, navigate some of these difficult scenarios that they were in where, you know, you're in foreign country, you're not able to see your family, you're not able to go home on a consistent basis. And, and, and it really just, you know, that story was just so amazing that we were kind of working with ski racing.com and, and we finally said, you know, Hey, let's, let's try and tell this story. And so, it kind of came to life in, I believe it was 2017, where we started to do some uh, short episodes um, in conjunction with SkiRacing.com. And we did that for two or three years, you know, kind of five minute, eight minute, 12 minute episodes, you know, kind of focusing in on different elements of, you know, this American downhiller story, you know, towards, towards the middle of 2019, we said to ourselves, well, these episodes are great, but we haven't really done anything like telling the story from start to finish is something we haven't done and it would be an amazing piece for the ski race community. And so we partnered with ski racing.com and, and, and a, a woman um, named Claire Brown, who's an amazing producer and um, has an amazing team of filmmakers. You know, she's been a part of the, the ski race community since she was a, a little kid. And, you know, she raced competitively through college and, and I believe she was an all American and, you know, is, is a staple in that, in, in that, in that industry and, and, and community. And so, you know, we, we worked with her to, to tell the story. And so we, we were able to kind of tell the story from start to finish and pull pieces from the different episodes that we had. And it turned into this really amazing piece that, you know, kind of gives some insight and some behind the scenes look into, you know, what it truly means to be an American downhiller and, and some of the challenges that they had to overcome. So a really, really fun project that, you know, Claire and, and, and Elizabeth Reeder, who's one of our sports marketing managers, did an amazing job facilitating and, and putting together. And we're, we're super proud of it. And, um, you know, we're excited. We're going to continue on with this theme. And, you know, this, this, this first one was focused on the men's team and there's equally as interesting and amazing stories on the women's side. And, and we're excited to kind of continue to, to, to tell these amazing stories that happen in American ski racing. And the next, next one up will be a, a focus on the women's team. That's great. So um, where does this content live? I definitely want to finish it. I mean, like I said, it seems like it should be on Netflix or something. It's very, very well done, very professional it gets you right from the beginning with all the skiers hopping in and saying like what it means to them. Like, where do you guys put this content after it's all made? Yeah. So the distribution for it, we, we, we launched a lot of uh, amazing new ski race product this, this season. And, you know, so we had an objective to, you know, reach and engage and, and build our connection with, 
with the ski race community. So the initial kind of rollout plan with this was to work with the U.S. ski team, work with SkiRacing.com, uh, and, and obviously we would we would support it as well. But we we have it living on YouTube. Okay. And we've seen really great results from you know kind of an organic grassroots distribution plan. Uh, we are looking at some film festivals throughout the country over the next few months and, and have submitted it um, in, in a few of those. And we are looking at, you know, some larger distribution. There's a um, possibility that some of it might run on NBC um, this winter, which would be amazing. And, you know, we're looking at kind of the, the, the subscription, you know, viewership platforms like Netflix and, and Apple TV and, and Amazon as well. And, you know, trying to figure out how we can get it up there. And the goal with kind of the, the, the larger distribution platforms is, you know, again, it's the, the story is what's most important and, and the story can help inspire the next generation of ski racers or particularly American downhillers. And, and we want that, you know, there's a utility function to that. And we want to make sure that that's available to any and everybody that wants to see it on an ongoing basis. So there's, there's kind of a, a long tail distribution plan to this as well to make sure that, you know, anybody who wants to learn and understand this story, you know, has the ability to do that through, through some of these larger platforms. Yeah, that's cool. It seems like there's definitely a lot of angles. You've got the partnership thing going on. You've got, um, yeah, being able to tell the story holistically like you wanted to. And then the long tail of like possibly being able to sell products as well when people see them. Yeah, at the perfect place, perfect time while they're watching it. Yeah. And, and we were we were very intentional about we didn't want this to be something that felt like, you know, we were we were artificially trying to place product throughout it. You know, the, the commitment was mm-hmm. to the story. Like I said, we've we've been a partner with US Ski Team for so long that you know, our product is visible, but but you'll also see product from our competitors in it, and that's okay. You know, we mm-hmm. if the story's great and, and we can help facilitate telling it, you know, we don't we don't need a ton of branding. We don't need, you know, we don't need POC products sitting sitting next to every interview or or you know, we don't need kind of the traditional product placement in these stories. We just, you know, we feel like we're doing a service to 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 the community by, you know, facilitating telling it and and for us that's what we're here for. So, um, yep. you know, we, we take a, a bit, a bit of a different approach to content than, than say some brands do or, or some brands previously have. Yeah. Well, how do you guys approach product placement? Because that seems like a very, um, I mean, it's always been around, but I see a lot of brands doing it way better now. Um, I was just talking about it, the Netflix series, uh, one about organizing and how well the container store did after that. And I don't remember really being like slapped over the head with the branding, but it was more me wanting to check into it afterwards of like, well, what were they using to organize their entire closets? And it was very organic. So I see brands doing a much better job now when it comes to product placement and partnerships around that. Like, how do you guys explore that avenue? You know, our sports marketing organization does, does an incredible job and in, in partnering with athletes and, and getting our product on, on athletes has been core to our marketing strategy since day one. And so you know, again, I, I do think it comes back to the the purpose, you know, conversation we had. And, and, you know, we are not delivering on our purpose if we are not supplying the best in the world with our products, because we, we truly do believe that they're the safest products out there. And so, you know, when you take an approach of we want personalities, we want athletes on our roster that have, you know, similar beliefs, but, but, but of course, their own brand and their own way of kind of executing on those beliefs. But, you know, we want people who stand for innovation, progression. And we want to make sure that the partnerships we develop with athletes, you know, we truly are helping them pursue their passion and helping them kind of progress the sport or, or uh, the sport that they're, they've dedicated their lives to. And so we have, we have an amazing list of uh, a roster of athletes that, 
kind of always looking at and, and um, adding to. We have some amazing development programs as part of our, our sports marketing strategy. We have kind of a, a three-leveled approach. We just launched a revised kind of regional or, or, or grassroots athlete program that we call the Aspired Collective. And you know that is solely intended to give up-and-coming athletes you know, across both snow sports and, and, and the, the bike world you know, give them opportunities and, and help them continue to progress in their careers to, to one day be the next superstar. And so doing what we can to, to support the communities and support the activities and sports that, that we service through supporting talent within, within those, those categories, you naturally find yourself with, with your product on the right people more often than not. And so, again, it's, it's a little bit, you know, we try and take a, maybe a less manufactured approach and we don't go out and say, you know, next year we think so-and-so is going to be the best ski racer. So we got to get our stuff on, on, on this person, this guy or girl, and then the next year it's someone else. And so we go after it. Like we look for longer term partnership opportunities, you know, people who truly believe in, in, in what they're doing and um, partnering with us helps them do what they're doing better. You know, that, that's, that's the stuff we look for. Yeah. It seems like athlete sponsorships, that's like the original OG influencers, like influencers are big now, but the sponsorships of athletes seems like it was already going on, you know, for a really long time. But what seems like really hard to do is figure out how it's driving sales or how it's influencing your marketing campaign. Like, how do you guys think about that when you're setting up these partnerships and you're picking out what athletes you want to work with? Like, how do you think about what the end result should be outside of just, you know, wanting to work with a great person, of course, and making it long term? Like, what are some metrics you hope to achieve with these partnerships? Yeah, I think um, it's it's a really good question because I think the rise of kind of influencer marketing has put such an emphasis on follower number and, and engagement metrics and, and all these things. And, you know, I think what we've seen is that, you know, those things are all important and, and, and I'll get into kind of how we look at those, but you can't focus so much on just the numbers to where you lose sight of the individual, the personality, really the non-tangibles that an influencer or an athlete or, 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 you know, any sort of partnership brings to the brand. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've been very careful to, you know, we, we, we have, we have an objective to, 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 you know, be results driven and, and, and measure what we can and take, take a data driven approach, of course, but we also want to make sure we don't, we don't over index on that to the point where we lose some of the, you know, the in, uh, intangible stuff. So when we look at an athlete, you know, a lot of times, you know, their Instagram follower count or their YouTube page is, is, is an important metric in, in the equation, but there are also three or four other metrics that are, that are equally as important. You know, so, so we look at personality, we look at, you know, opportunity to, to have a longer term relationship with this person. We look at, you know, how they compete, where they compete, these sorts of things, and, you know, make a, make a very balanced call on whether or not they should be somebody we should pursue or, or not pursue. But, you know, to answer your question about measuring, you know, influence that athletes or influencers have, it's, it is difficult. And, you know, there are some kind of data tools that we have, whether it's um, being smart about how you distribute content for them to, you know, work into their, their communication outreach with specific links and, and, and stuff that we can track through our website. But, you know, a lot of that stuff is kind of specific to a single campaign or, or a single program. And, um, you know, there's really not a great way, going back to the equation that we look at, there's not a great way to measure intangible stuff, but we know it's, we know it's important and we know it's, it's working and, it, and it's a core element of our positioning in the marketplace. And so, you know, we, we measure what we can, but we also try and be real and, and be okay with, you know, there's simply some things that are just hard and difficult to measure. And, 
you know, if, it, if it, we trust ourselves to say, you know, this is those things that aren't, aren't measurable. I, I trust our people and we trust ourselves to say, you know, this is, this is worth the investment and, it, and it's, it's providing a lift to our brand in a way that, you know, we just simply can't measure. Yep. What are some of your favorite marketing campaigns that you've done that you really remember or that were most successful? Favorite marketing. I, uh, the American Downhiller one is definitely up there just because it was so different and, and new and, you know, we never produced a feature length film, um, mm-hmm. but we've already talked about that one. Um, we just launched in earlier this fall, we, we launched a signature, signature series, excuse me, around Fabia Widmer, who's a, a, an incredible, incredibly talented mountain biker, whether it's trials or, or downhill riding or, or um, dirt jump riding. He's arguably the, the most popular mountain biker in the world right now. And we created a signature series with him that we launched earlier this fall. That's, that's really, really cool. And we took the approach of, you know, we're going to create the product for you, but we really want you to create the marketing and, and the messaging and, and, you know, kind of launch this product in your voice. And that was kind of a really fun approach to take to this because one, it took a little bit of the stress off us internally. And, and two, it allowed, it allowed for our audience to kind of hear a message that they're used to hearing from us from somebody different, which I think in a lot of ways was, was quite refreshing and, and, and something different. And so, you know, Fabio's team is, is incredible at creating highly engaging, you know, video content and, and his YouTube following is, is massive. And so, you know, we basically said, you know, we'll help you make the product, you know, we'll support some of the distribution of, of, of the content, but we want you to create that content. It was a different approach for us and, and, and a pretty fun one because, you know, it, it brought a different tone of voice to, to a launch than, than we're used to having. Oh, that, that's really fun. I mean, I can think of, and a really good point because I can think of so many brands who work with, you know, people in their industry and they end up squishing their creativity by saying like, this is our brand messaging. This is how it needs to be done. And you can tell you're like, this is not Oprah Winfrey talking. This is yeah. <laughs> like, not that Oprah does that. I don't know. But, you know, they squish the creativity of the artist or the influencer by all their rules and it ends up not being very organic. And then no one's following actually ends up connecting with it. Exactly. And, and you know, we the, the value that these these athletes and influencers and anybody we partner with bring to our brand is they have their own community and, and we want to help them build their own community. But if we come in and say, you need to talk to the community that you've built in our voice, in our and in, in the way that we speak and, you know, over engineer that one that their community is going to say, this is, this is stupid. Like it's, I can tell this isn't you, or, you know, I can tell that this isn't the person that I committed to either, you know, through a, through a click on follow or, or, or some other way. And, and, you know, if, if we give that freedom to, you know, to, to the person to, to communicate the points that we're trying to get our audience to understand in, in the way that, you know, feels natural to them, it's, it's, it's going to come off better. It's going to, it's going to be a, a better end product in terms of the, the creative. And, and, you know, again, it's going to resonate with the audience more, more effectively. And, um, you know, so we, 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 we lean on our athletes and our, in our roster of partners very heavily because they're good at what they do. And, and for us to come in and say, we know how to do what you do better. It just, it doesn't feel right. And, and I don't think it's right. So you had a good quote that I saw, but I'm probably going to botch it. So you can just tell me if it's wrong. You, it's all around data. And you were saying that the data that you gather around your customers is your true north. And I wanted to mm-hmm. hear a little bit about, you know, what kind of data do you look at? And is that influencing your products or like, how are you using it day to day? Yeah, I think that that you got the quote exactly right. So um, thank Nailed you for it. that. And, and uh <laughs> maybe a little counterintuitive to my last point of, of, you know, the balance between tangibles and intangibles. But, um, you know, when we do have data available, 
you know, we, we, we need to, we need to make sure we're, we're using that. And, you know, we, we are still a growing organization and, and we are far from totally dialed in terms of our, our, you know, data management and, 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 and pulling and curating as much data as we possibly can. But, you know, we have gotten a lot better, you know, at doing that over the past, really the past three or four years. And part of being able to actually use your data effectively you know, you have, you have to start with your systems and your tech stack. And, and we've been really lucky to be able to partner and use, you know, Salesforce suite, suite of services uh, with Commerce Cloud, Marketing Cloud, and, and, and Service Cloud. And, you know, the decision to run with those platforms was specifically so that we could start to organize our data and get our systems to speak better together and, you know, learn more about our customers. You know, we, we have all kinds of different touch points with these customers. And the fact that, you know, Salesforce Commerce Cloud can speak with Marketing Cloud and even with Service Cloud, you know, when we get a customer service inquiry, you know, that, that scenario really at least gives us an opportunity to, you know, maximize what we know about our customers. And so we, like I said, we have a long way to go to be, you know, where I would say we're, we're you know, an A plus rating in terms of data management, but, but every day, you know, our team gets smarter and, and uh, you know, we make right, the right decisions and we, we learn more. And, you know, I think... I think in terms of using the data as your true north and, and kind of bringing it full circle back to the, the, the idea of balance, you gotta, you gotta be able to analyze the data, understand what the data is telling you, but then put that information or that insight into the context of the other things you know about your customer base. One of the things I feel very lucky in that, you know, we are a relatively small team, a marketing team of 25 or 28 people across both the marketing team and the digital team, you know, one of the benefits of that is that we don't have a lot of redundancy and, and every individual in the organization, you know, you naturally kind of have to gain an understanding and, and you got to know our customer relatively well for, for almost everything that we do. You know, that kind of contextual understanding and knowledge of our customer coupled with some, some better data management and insight polling, you know, actually does give us a pretty good understanding of, of, of our customer, what's important to them and, and how we can kind of deliver on that. Um, whereas I think, I think a lot of times in bigger organizations, I've seen if you have a lot of kind of not necessarily redundancy, but, but a lot of kind of very specified positions that do one thing and do one thing very, very well, it, it's a lot harder to understand the big picture and kind of gain a, uh, an accurate, you know, profile of, you know, the contextual things that, that, that go along with, with, with your customers. And so I guess what I'm saying is in a large organization, it's, it's very easy to look at the data and only the data. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, it's sometimes hard to kind of bring your head up and look around and say, okay, well, this is what this is telling me about this specific point or, or insight. You know, how does that connect with what might be happening over here? And so there's, you know, of course, some challenges with being a smaller group, but, but I do, there's, there's also a lot of benefits and that's, that's definitely one of them. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, thinking about how do you get to that holistic approach where, I mean, I've been at larger companies before and, you know, things get siloed and you have your customer service team over here and they're probably hearing so many good nuggets from customers about new product features they want or, you know, something that might help the experience better or the unboxing experience. And a lot of times that data just gets stuck there and you don't know mm-hmm. how to incorporate into your new product launches and stuff. And so, I, yeah, I hear a lot of companies, especially smaller ones that are very quickly growing, experiencing issues like that where things are all siloed and they don't know how to look at the data, but then also take a step back and use your gut and be like, eh, that's actually kind of sending us in the wrong direction or that's not really our customer who's saying that. 
Exactly. Yeah. It's, 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 um, you know, being a small group allows us to, you know, our customer service manager can easily stand up and walk across the room or, or these days, you know, tap our, tap our digital director on the shoulder and say, Hey, three of my, three of my team members said this and they're hearing this, you know, what does that mean for what you do? You know, that those, those sorts of conversations are really, really important. And um, it's, it's a little easier for us to facilitate those just because we're a smaller team. Yes. So what kind of digital trends are you excited about? Like, where are you guys headed over the next three years in the world of e-commerce? It's a good question, but I, I, I there's lots of them. I think um, one of the things that I, a trend that I'm seeing and, and we're actually acting on is that consumers are, their expectations have, have evolved to a certain point to where the, the traditional tactics in terms of driving a sale there's there's more options there. You know, I, I think um, you're seeing a lot of brands think about you know the the needs of their customers and and really looking at it and saying we need to be able to add more value than we're looking to extract from from our customer base. And and to do that, you have to really think about what are the challenges or the struggles or or the the, the other kind of you know complementary problems you can solve for your customers on behalf of them to you know help strengthen that connection they have with your brand. And I think what we're going to see is that we're going to see a lot less mass trends, I guess, in, in a sense, or, or mass tactics in the sense that brands that are going to be successful are the ones that are going to focus on building a community that is tight-knit, has a very meaningful value prop for the members of that community, and, and ultimately, you know, places a little bit more emphasis on lifetime value and, and, and holding on to the customers that they have and, and building a better relationship with them versus, you know, kind of turn and burn customer acquisition, you know, bring them in, make a sale, move on to the next. We're really excited about that because we have a lot of the ingredients necessary to build a, a, a meaningful community. And, and we have to do some ideation on, you know, this idea of providing more value than, than we're looking to extract, but it, but it's, it's a new set of challenges and one that I think is, a little bit more fun because you're, you're, you're becoming a better partner to, to, to your community and uh, keeping hold of that and, 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 and looking for ways to solve other, other problems for them and, you know, make your brand more appealing and one that they want to connect with on a deeper level. You know, that, that's, that's really fun. And so we're excited about that. Yep. That gets back to the whole idea of long-term thinking. And yeah, I think the companies that'll rise above the rest, especially with so many coming out right now are going to be the ones who think longer term like that, think how to build that community and really engage your customers. That's not just driven on that quick conversion. Exactly. Yeah. And if you look at kind of the, the mega brands out there right now that are, are being successful, they are, they are looking at that exact equation, you know, obviously in a different way than we are, but you know, you see, you see brands like Peloton and, and um, Lululemon's acquisition of mirror. They're looking to, check a, a series of boxes, whether it's, you know, vertically integrating, you know, owning the hardware, developing a reoccurring revenue model, you know, all these things that kind of complement and go hand in hand with a tight knit community of, of consumers that are truly committed to you as a brand. You know, I think Lululemon is one of the, the most amazing examples because, you know, they do such a good job of developing a community, creating these ambassador programs to where if you walk in a store, you know, there's one up here on Main Street, you walk in the store and you look around and the imagery they use are local ambassadors. You know, you look up on the wall and you see, you know, you see your friends up there and it's like, wow, I didn't even know, you know, one, I didn't know they were an ambassador. That's cool. But also to, to be that smart, to actually integrate local ambassadors into their communication and at retail 
is, is just, is just such a cool thing and makes, makes the brand feel truly invested, you know, in this area. Yeah. I didn't know they they did that. that. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so they're, they're kind of all in on the community thing. And, and I think this acquisition they made of this mirror product is, is a great way to kind of continue to facilitate that at scale. And it'll, it'll be a really cool kind of, not really a case study, but brand to follow over the next couple of years and, and, and see how they continue to evolve because they, they truly are kind of the best in the biz. Yep. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, let's shift over to the lightning round brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. This is where I'm going to ask a question and you have a minute or less to answer. Are you ready to go, David? All right. All right. Ended, so this might be tough. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I'll just have to cut yeah. you off. I'll have to be yeah, cut, cut me off. Don't be shy. <laughs> All right. What's up next on your Netflix queue? Ooh, Netflix queue. Um, I don't know the name of it, but there's there's a, a film series about the Formula One circuit that uh, has been recommended to me. And I can't, I wish I could remember the, remember the name, but oh, um, it follows some of the drivers uh, on Formula One and it's supposed to be really, really good. So drive to survive. That that might be it. I think, I think you're right. Um, it's saved in our account, which is very helpful. Thank you, Netflix. But um, that's, that's the one we're, we're super psyched to see next. Nice. That sounds cool. Yeah. I think um, someone on our team actually recommended that as well. And I think they told me to watch it from a business perspective. I'm not really sure why. I need to check it out. Well, well, you have to let me know what you think. Yeah. What's up next on your travel destinations when we can get out into the world and travel again? Man, that sounds so nice, doesn't it? Um, I know. That's why I like to ask it. Yeah. We, uh, w- my wife and I uh, have been talking about and we originally were going to do it for a honeymoon, but things didn't work out the way we wanted to with that trip, but we still have not skied in Japan. And that is uh, on our list for when things settle down uh, is to go. And uh, Japan such an amazing place and, and mm-hmm. such a great culture that we're super excited to experience that um, a little more in depth than, than my business trips have allowed. And you know, they also get an incredible amount of snow. So the steam is quite good as well. Yeah. Oh, that sounds really nice. And then you can go and hang out in the hot bath with his monkeys, you know, have yep. you seen that? <laughs> I have seen that. That I think my wife might be more excited for that than she is the actual skiing. I'll, I'll go with much, her then. Yeah. <laughs> I, I went to Japan and I missed that because we weren't in the right area. And I was very sad. I'm like, how fun would it be to take a bath with monkeys? I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a tourist trap, but either way, I want to try it. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds pretty entertaining. Yeah. What one thing do you not understand today that you wish you did? Oh, man. I mean, so much. Um, here and now, we are... I'm getting ready to take the next level of avalanche certification and, and understanding how avalanches work so that we can ski and travel through the backcountry safely. Um, I have some training on that, but there's a lot more that I don't understand. And so that is fresh on my mind as the snow is starting to fall. And I'm excited to uh, continue my education on, you know, understanding snowpacks and, and making sure that uh, we can ski great snow, but, but do it safely. Oh man, that's a good one. And that is a unique answer. No one else has said that so far. So David. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. And then the last one, um, what one thing will have the biggest impact on e-commerce in the next year? Uh, I mean, the thing that comes to mind feels a little bit like a cop-out just because it's it's been so talked about. But I think I think 5G is is really hard to ignore. And and when that kind of fully rolls out, you know, the mobile trends that we're seeing are going to become even more important and 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 pointed. So you know, it's it's going to put so much more emphasis on, on you know, the computer you carry in your pocket rather than the one that you sit on. You know, we we and, and, and a lot of other brands are still working on, you know, how do you crack that that device in, in a way that's that's 
as meaningful as it could be in, in maximizing the, the you know, value to the business that comes from a mobile device. So I think that's going to continue to become more and more important. And it's, it's, a, it's a tough one to solve. That's a great answer. It's not a cop out because no one else has said that so far. I thought you were going to say All COVID right. and then I was going to be like, no, everyone <laughs> says that. <laughs> no, so, I, I didn't think of that. It's, it's uh, I'm glad. Really normal, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, David. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people find out more about you and Pac? Come find out more about us at PacSports.com. Um, can learn more about our, our product offering, our amazing roster of athletes and uh, the things that are important to us. And want to take a moment just to thank the, the amazing team of people, not just with marketing, but um, everybody here involved with Pac. You know, like I mentioned, they are as committed as anyone can be to why we exist. And, and, and that permeates through, you know, our business and, and so many different ways on a consistent basis and the people here and the talent the talent that they bring and the the drive and passion that they bring truly is what makes us uh, an amazing organization so would rather say uh, thank you to them i guess than 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 promote myself if, if that option option is okay that option is okay that sounds great <laughs> well thanks so much david yeah it's been great yeah i, I appreciate it stephanie and um, great to speak with you everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, you'll probably also love our e-commerce newsletter. To get it delivered straight to your inbox every week, sign up at mission.org slash upnextincommerce. Upnextincommerce is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud and created by the team at mission.org. Subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.